we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. episode of Food for Thought. I am your host, Jonathan Coots. Today we are speaking about the spirit of America and what is America truly. If you guys have been paying attention to anything that has been going on, you will undoubtedly notice that there is a war for America, for the soul of America, and uh, a contest about what America really truly is is it something that is based upon racist ideas and principles is america a nation that has fundamentally stolen the rights of other races of non-white people and more importantly and i think one of the biggest problems should america give up its constitution for something more along the lines of communist principles. We will be discussing all of those ideas momentarily. But before, I would like to ask everybody, if you have appreciated this show, if you have found benefit from it, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed it, please share it with other people. Post it on your social media accounts. Help me spread the word about it a little bit, if you enjoyed it. If not, then uh, I don't really care. Anyways, all of that said, if you guys enjoyed the show, please let me know, and uh, please share it. Now, on to the show. The question must be begged, is America a racist nation? Is it evil? Is it based upon principles that have oppressed the black people and all of the other races or is it not? And I would say, fundamentally, it is not. And we're going to read a document. I'm going to actually read you a portion of a letter written by John Adams to the Abbe de Mably, who was a French historian and author. And he wrote to John Adams um, saying that he wanted to write a letter, or I'm sorry, a book on the American Revolution. And John Adams actually said, well, that might not be such a great idea because you can't understand um, what we did here. Fundamentally, because you did not participate, you're not an American, you can't necessarily understand why we did what we did. But then he went on to say, although I'm no good judge of character, or no good judge, essentially saying I don't really know what I'm talking about a whole lot, and he would beg that the American government maybe wouldn't want some outsider-ish, kind of, to write this history. But if he was going to anyways, then he need at least consider these four guiding principles, which he then spells out as the church, the towns, the militia, and the uh, schools. And so I'm going to read you his four descriptions of each, and then we're going to talk about them. So he goes on and he says, The four institutions intended are, one, the towns, two, the churches, three, the schools, and then four, the militia. 
And then he goes on to um, describe each, which I'm going to do here. Number one, the towns are certain pieces of land or districts of territory into which the Massachusetts Bay, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island are divided. Each town contains upon average six miles or two leagues square. The inhabitants who live within its limits are erected by law into a corporation or body politic and are vested with certain powers and privileges such as repairing the roads, maintaining the poor, choosing to select men, constables, collectors of taxes, and other officers, and above all, their representatives in the legislature, and that of assembling whenever warned to it by their select men in town meetings to deliberate upon the public affairs of the town or to instruct their representatives. The consequences of this institution has been that all the inhabitants have acquired from their infancy a habit of debating, deliberating, and judging of public affairs. It was in these town meetings that the sentiment of the people were first formed and their resolution taken from the beginning to the end of this controversy and war. Then number two, the churches. These are religious societies which comprehend the whole people. Each town composes one parish and one church at least. Most of them have more than one, and many of them have several. Each parish has a meeting house and a minister, supported at its own expense. The constitutions of the churches are extremely popular, and the clergy have little authority or influence except such as their own piety, virtues, and leaning naturally give them. They are chosen by the people of the parish and ordained by the neighboring clergy. They all marry and have families and live with their parishes in mutual friendship and good offices. They visit the sick and are charitable to the poor, attend all marriages and all funerals, and preach twice on every Sunday. The least reproach their moral character ruins their influence and forfeits their livings, so that they are a wise, virtuous, and pious set of men. Their sentiments are generally popular, and they are zealous friends of liberty. So then we go down to number three, the schools. These are in every town. By an early law of the colony, every town consisting of 60 families is obliged under a penalty to maintain constantly a schoolhouse and a schoolmaster who teaches readings, writings, and arithmetic in the rudiments of Latin and Greek. To this public school, oh, sorry, to this public school, the churches of all inhabitants, poor as well as rich, have a right to go. In these schools are formed scholars of the colleges at Cambridge, New Haven, Warwick, and Dartmouth. And in those colleges are educated masters of the school, ministers for the churches, practitioners in law and physic, and magistrates and officers of the government of the country. Number four, the militia. This comprehends the whole people. By the law of the land, every male inhabitant between 16 and 60 years of age is enrolled in a company and a regiment of militia. Completely organized with all its officers, is obliged to keep at his own expense, constantly in his house, a firelock, that's a musket or a gun, in good order, a powder horn with a pound of powder, twelve flints, four and twenty bullets, and a cartridge box, and a haversack. 
so that the whole country is ready to march for their defense at a short warning. The companies and regiments are obliged to assemble certain times of the year at the command of their officers for the view of their arms, that's review, to practice, and ammunition, and go through military exercises. Now he concludes with this little statement. Thus, sir, you have a brief sketch of the four principal sources of that wisdom and counsel, and the skills and bravery in war which have produced the American Revolution, and which I hope will be sacredly preserved as the foundations of a free, happy, and prosperous people. So that's what John Adams decided was some of the basic principles, the four principles that founded the desire for the Revolutionary War. Let's unpack that statement a little bit. Uh, the four things that he said, uh, churches, towns, militia, and schools. And so we look at those four things, and as he was describing each one, it was almost unanimously at their own expense. So at their own expense, they must maintain schools. They must maintain the parishes. They have to maintain themselves. And the militia, they have to maintain themselves. If you have ever read the Federalist Papers, number 10, written by uh, James Madison, over and over again, he warns about mob rule. The Founding Fathers, they feared many different forms of tyranny, and they understood that tyranny can come in two different ways. Tyranny by a singular person, a, a tyrant such as King George, or tyranny of the mob, and that is fundamentally communism. They feared mob rule almost as much, if not as much or more, than they feared a single tyrant, a fascist ruler. And so they created this system to prevent both tyranny of the mob and tyranny by a singular person. America is, to this day, the only nation that their governmental system was designed with the idea in mind that men are evil. It's the only nation that has a governing body and governing laws that realize men are evil, and they account for that in the way that the government is set up. So, how did that come about? Well, it came about because they saw it before when they came. They had these four principles that they wanted to defend. The right of a local government, of people that can congregate together and rule themselves in these small little bundles where they could go to church where they could get educated properly with the fundamentals and nothing more, everything else was left to the parents, and then defend themselves. And those four things, that is inherent freedom, they thought. The freedom to educate our children, to live and govern ourselves with minimal input, and defend ourselves if necessary. The, the founding fathers, they understood these principles. They understood the basic principles of the Bible, and they applied them into their government system. It says in the Constitution, at least in the Constitution that I have read, that all men are created equal and granted unalienable rights by a creator. Now, what does that say? If we take that statement, endowed with unalienable rights by a creator, 
and then the document that we just read the letter, we can see that the church and the Bible is what is required to understand our Constitution. Without these ideas, without a lens by God, because our rights are not granted by the government, they are granted by God. And so if we forget that, and if we try to dismantle churches and keep them closed, like has been happening because they spread COVID like rampant, like wildfire, if we remove the churches and we expel the Bible, we cannot understand this system of government that America has created. The spirit of America is found in churches. It is found in small towns, and it is found in the right to defend yourself. It is found in these the four principles that we just talked about, churches, towns, schools, and the militia, the right to self-defense, the right to bear arms. Now, that one is fourth, I think, for a reason, um, but the first three are the most important. The protection of our education system is paramount because it is that's one of the first things that they attacked. They attacked, actually, they first attacked the churches, and then now they're attacking education. If you can take the children and indoctrinate them at the young age, then they raise up, which is exactly what Hitler did in uh, Nazi Germany. He created this Nazi party of young kids, and then they grew up as these fanaticals, and then that's how he got the SS and all of these things. He started with kids, which is why we need to defend our education system. But first, fundamentally, the Constitution, our government, was founded upon principles from the Bible. And if you do not read the Bible, if you do not understand the Bible, you cannot understand our governmental system. You cannot understand what the Founding Fathers did because our rights are granted by God. We are often compared to the UK. In the UK, their rights, they believe, are given to them by the government because the government is what is endowed by God. If you look back at their history, kings were given their rights to rule by God. And they kind of carry that over because they still have their royal family. But they still believe, well, I don't believe um, England has a religion at all. I don't know if they really claim one or not. But regardless of that, they believe that their powers, their rights as citizens are granted to them by the government. Therefore, the government can take them away. But our nation says that God has given man, individual people, these certain unalienable rights. And the government is there for no other reason than to preserve those rights and keep people from infringing upon other people's rights. So they still have a governing role to play, but fundamentally they are supposed to make sure that our rights given by God are protected to the utmost. Now, that's all well and good, and I want to clarify something. I am not saying that America is this perfect nation. We are obviously very clearly not. But the reason that our rights we feel are being taken and being stolen and they're not being defended is because we now have a group of people who are fanatics and radicals on both sides, left and right. And typically it's the people on the left wing that do not believe in religion anymore. They don't believe in God. So they fundamentally 
see the wrongs and don't understand that the spirit of America is one of freedom, one of protection, one of unalienable rights, of the privilege and the possibility of having these local governments, these small governments with churches and school buildings. They do not believe in God. They do not believe, therefore, in these rights that we have. So they believe that the best way to go about governing is by mob rule. They believe that, well, it takes a village to raise a child, which is not true. That's, that's not right at all. And fundamentally, they believe that people are good, so you have to give them as many choices as possible. And they believe that this governing system that we have is innately corrupt and racist because of history. But what they fail to see, and, and I say this because I'm in college right now and I have people who tell me this all the time, that America is fundamentally racist because we had slaves and the system that we had, this the founding principles were, well, it's only for white men, but that's not true. It says certain unalienable rights endowed by a creator. All men are created equal. And unfortunately, our government or our government is is evil because it's run by men and men are inherently bad, which is the big flaw between communism and our system of government. Communism believes that all men are good, at least when it starts. But the thing is, with communism, all men are equally unvaluable. You have to have all people who have the same state of mind. But to do that, one person has to ensure that they stay equal. Therefore, he must rise above it to make sure that other people remain equal, which is the huge problem, because then that one person has too much power and becomes corrupt. Regardless, as I was saying before, people in our education systems are teaching that America is racist and evil. But we fought a full war, one of the bloodiest in history, over this issue. That means at least 50%, actually far more, because the North had way more people than the South, believed that this was wrong, that we shouldn't have slaves anymore, and a war was fought for it. And you can say, well, yeah, a war was fought over it, which means many people did not believe in the freedom and equality for all men. And that's true. But who won the war? Who thought that it was more worth it that we get rid of slaves? The North. They won. They had a principle that they were defending and upholding, that the Constitution said all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. So they said, you know what? We're going to go to war over this, and we're going to sacrifice our kids, and we're going to sacrifice our own lives for the possibility of freedom for the future and they end up winning and they might not have been totally restored instantaneously but they didn't have that sort of communication power anyways that oh they're all free now and inherently men are still bad they're still evil and they're still wicked so they will try to take over the system and use it for their own benefits but fundamentally America is one of freedom for all. And if you look at what Martin Luther uh, Jr. said, Martin Luther King Jr., he was claiming rights based upon the Constitution. He said, hey, I'm here to cash in this check that is called freedom that I was promised. He did not say that America is an inherently evil and racist nation. He came and he was claiming 
the rights that the Constitution granted, not ban the Constitution, burn the Constitution, and we need to make a new one. He said, no, no, no. The Constitution said that I have unalienable rights given by God. And you know what? He was a pastor. He was a preacher. He knew the Bible, and he wasn't a perfect Christian because there's no such thing. But he believed in the Bible, and so he understood the rights granted by God. And he was of this oppressed category of people, the African Americans. And he still claimed rights by the Constitution. The reason that this emphasis needs to be added, the reason that it is important to understand, is because ultimately, as I've said in most episodes, all truth is derived from the Bible. And our Constitution, our system of government, John Adams said so in his letter, the important thing is the churches, the right to have a church in every city, in every town, because through the church can you understand that your rights are not granted by man, but by God. God has given us the rights to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God wants a relationship with us which means we need to be alive, we need to have liberty to choose, and we need to be able to pursue him, pursue happiness, because God grants happiness. Without those things, you cannot live a fulfilled life. You cannot live a life that God promised you without those three things, without the opportunity for liberty. So why then do these people attack these things because they don't believe in God, they don't believe in the Bible, which is what the first thing that communism does is, well, firstly, they remove your opportunity of free speech, but then they remove churches because if you believe in God, then you believe in the liberty of man. So they have to remove those institutions, which is why people have been trying to close churches and then close schools. I mean, the first thing they did is remove the the Bible from schools. They stopped teaching creationism and they went to evolution, which says that people have no value because they come from apes. And then they removed the Pledge of Allegiance from schools. And they've been slowly removing the teaching of the Constitution when I was in school. Only in the government class is the only history class that we actually talked about the Constitution. And we didn't really discuss the Constitution. We discussed portions of the Bill of Rights and then the government system itself. But they're removing God from the school systems, and then they're removing the patriotic spirit from the school systems because the patriotic spirit points back to God. Even in our Pledge of Allegiance, we talk about God. In the Constitution, we talk about God. Everything that the Founding Fathers did, all of the documents they wrote about, they were writing about these rights that we get from God. So people are trying to install a communist nation into America, and to do that, they have to remove this principle that our nation is given rights from God's. Our people are given rights from God. So all that to say, our nation, the spirit of America, is from the Bible. And without that, we will not be the nation that we were. We can't return to that until we return to the spirit of America, which is one of freedom and liberty and rights that have been given to us by a creator. And everybody wants these communist principles to come in. They want to install these ideas that communism can work, and it hasn't been done right before, when that's not true. The reason, fundamentally, 
that communism cannot work is because it assumes that all men can be good. And that's how it starts. It starts with all men are the same and they're equal, which is correct. Then all people need the same starting point. They need the same ending point as well, though. We have to make everybody of the same class. And to do that, you need to remove a spirit of patriotism, a spirit of fulfillment, and the idea of empowerment, that we are all empowered to live this life because our rights are given to us by God, not by the government. When you believe that the government gives you your rights, then you believe the government can take away your rights. Now I'm beginning to sound like a little bit of a broken record. So before we end, I just want to say one more thing. America is not a perfect nation. It is not a nation that will be the salvation of the world. It is not going to be the nation on the hill that leads everybody to salvation because that will forever and always be the kingdom of God. But our nation is special because it is based off principles that come from the Bible. It comes from this idea that God has given us rights and it is the only nation that has accounted for the fallen nature of man, that men are wicked and we need institutions to protect us from this wickedness, which is why we are not a democracy because that is my rule. The founding fathers said democracy is evil and wicked because democracy is rule of the many. We are not an oligarchy. We have these three systems of government, these three different chambers that make different rules and they can all check each other and make sure that they're balanced because we don't want a tyrant either because that also leads to tyranny and an oligarchy. And both of these ends are something that need to be protected against because both of them will lead to an impoverished nation. We're seeing that now that all of these people who are so deadly afraid of COVID are enforcing these rules on other people and it's the seeds, the roots of communism of marxism when you're reporting on your neighbor that they're not wearing a mask or you're reporting on the neighbor that they haven't got the vaccine it's exactly what was warned in the book 1984 is these people are all reporting on each other and that leads to fear and then fear as a mass group and mob fears they force that onto other people and then we just have this spiral and the slippery slope that leads to communism ultimately and i've been harping on it but communism is evil it's something that was warned against in the bible as well proverbs talks about it if you don't work you don't eat because communism breeds apathy and apathy is something warned against many 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 times all of that to say america is awesome and communism sucks for many reasons which we can discuss in the next episode i'm going to do a part two of this and we're going to look through the history of communism and then we'll tie these ideas together because i'm about hitting my limit at 30 minutes so next episode we will be discussing the history and the nature of why communism is something that we need to defend against so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, I hope you found some value from it. If you did, go ahead and let me know. Leave a rating and review on iTunes. It goes a long way. I harped on it at the beginning, and I will say it again. It goes a long way. It helps me out. It lets me know what you guys think of this content. It helps me make myself better, improve myself, so that I know what you guys like and what you dislike. 
Um, go ahead and share the episodes if you guys enjoyed it. You can follow me on socials. Uh, I'm on Instagram mostly. You can follow me at jcoots03. And in my biography section there, you can find my website, and you can follow me on all of my other accounts and all of my other platforms from there. And you can join my Locals community, uh, which is a VIP community. And uh, thank you guys for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Once again, this is Food for Thought, and I am Jonathan Coots. Thank you.